0: Welcome everybody to the Steve Jordan experience. It is a pleasure to have you here with me today listening. Being motivated, inspired, and educated by our outstanding guests. I thank you for being here. If this is if you've been coming back. and if this is your first time, thanks for joining and listening to the show. Please rate the show because it definitely gets us a lot more uh, opportunity for others to listen who might need this information. Think of this as an altruistic approach and uh, effort in your part to help others. Uh, we all need help. We all need to be, you know, in a space where we're able to receive and give and giving. When you give more, you get more. So take that moment to rate the, and review the podcast. I'd appreciate it. And so would my guest. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome my guest, Wendy Trubaugh. She is an MD. She has an MBA as well, which is a very cool combo there. Uh, she's passionate about helping women optimize their health and their lives as a functional medicine gynecologist, through her struggles with mold and metal toxicity, celiac disease, and other health issues, ball has developed a deep sense of compassion and expertise for what her patients are facing. She is the co author of Dirty Girl, Ditch the Toxins, Look Great, and Feel Freaking Amazing. I love that. Freaking amazing. <laughs> um, so cool to have you here, Wendy. I told you a little bit before my wife is pregnant. So I'm going to, I want to ask a few personal questions, but I can't wait for you to share your knowledge, passion, uh, and empower us with all of your knowledge and experience and wisdom.
1: It's great to be here. Let's dive in.
0: Let's do it. Ask Where do me we start? anything.
1: Ask yeah. me anything. Start with the stuff. So, like, I mean, you, so you have personal do, questions. So, how
0: do you make a baby? The birds oh. and the bees.
1: <laughs> really? I can talk about that. What's I
0: mean- what's, <laughs> what's the, well, you know what? Maybe we should, because this is an interesting thought. I've never gone here in this podcast, but I believe that we are going to have a much more challenging time in that space of connection, literally intimate connection between couples because our world today is so in virtual space, in a connected space to relationships on, you know, Facebook or Instagram, social media, however, wherever it is, you know, the social media dating sites where people don't even get a chance to connect. And if, and when they do, they don't know how to, and there's a big component now to fertility where you can do artificial insemination. You can have you know ways in getting pregnant without even having to have intercourse anymore. What's your thought and theory on this and what's the, the, the future look like? So yeah, let's get down to the birds and well, the bees.
1: So to predict the future, I charge $16 million. So that I can't give you online. No. <laughs> if I knew I'd be super rich. People would always say to me when I did obstetrics, what day is my baby going to come? I'm like, Buddy, if I knew that, I would not be working nights, right? Right. Like, so, <laughs> so I think you highlight a couple of things, Steve, that are really critical. And, and setting aside, I actually want to set aside the online connection issue and just drill into, given the state of the world, we all live in a, in a state of heightened stress. And what I say to my patients, particularly men, but women too, is sex or stress. You cannot have them both because Mm. when you're stressed, it says your body interprets that your adrenals, when they experience stress, they go, oh, a lion's going to eat us. They shut down detox. They shut down digestion. And they focus on sending sugar to your big muscles of your legs so you can run because a lion's about to eat you. That's what your body mm-hmm. thinks. That's how primitive we are. And so when that's happening, you are not feeling warm and fuzzy. You do not have hormones for sex floating around. You have survival hormones floating around. And so the first thing I see to people is you got to ditch the stress cause it's killing your sex life. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so bad. So that's the first thing. And then the second thing I'll say to you is around making babies that there's a lot of research going on about men's sperm count mm-hmm. and that all of these toxins in the environment are having a very negative effect on men's ability to make sperm that swim. And mm-hmm. so on that hopeful note, <laughs> so it would be worth getting rid of toxins yeah. so that we perpetuate the human race.
0: And toxins are in uh, EMF toxins, so electromagnetic oh, yeah. frequencies uh, yep. from the cell phones, from the computers, from the routers in our house, and the, the telephone lines and other devices. I mean, that's real. Yeah,
1: yeah it's real, and it's
0: it definitely, definitely you can't see it, feel it, or touch it, but it is existing in ways that it never has, and affecting you know our, our cells at the deepest level.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. And and then that's only one of you know thousands of things we're exposed to. Mm -hmm,
0: mm -hmm. Awesome. (laughs) Um, Well, well, you know, I'm a big believer. And Time Magazine did an article you might recall, maybe a decade or so ago, was a cover story, uh, stress being the number one killer and or the cause of disease. And you know, if we can really peel away all the layers of the story and get to the root of many of our diseases it's really stress. And yeah. it's that cumulative stress that we have over time that's caused by our uh, the sometimes self-imposed demands, you know, we have on ourselves, you know, so we need to learn that balance and how to do that. Uh, so tell us about your story, who you are, why, like why you're so passionate about this and how you were empowered to go from a, a, a clinician, like a, a gynecologist, OBGYN to now functional medicine doctor in around the space as well. Um, get us to that like to where you are today, take us through yeah. that journey.
1: Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna distill it down cause I'm 51 and a half. And so there's mm-hmm. a lot in that, so I'm gonna distill it. There are two main, main peaks in my story. The first occurred when I was 35. It was the culmination of being a child of the seventies, having terrible genes, eating a not so good diet, mm-hmm. not taking care of myself, going to medical school, choosing a very high stress profession of obstetrics and gynecology. And and did I mention terrible genes and epigenetics? (laughs) So I have two copies for celiac, two copies for MTHFR, two copies for vitamin D deficiency, other MTRR deficiencies, bad detox genes. I'm like a hot mess on paper. (laughs) So it culminated in being diagnosed. By the time I hit 35, I was pregnant with my second child. I had some difficulties getting pregnant and I felt awful. So I was right after I delivered, I saw my husband's mentor, who's a old time functional medicine doctor in the Boston area. And mm. he did this huge workup on me and he diagnosed me with celiac. And at the time I was diagnosed, my, I could barely get out of bed. I was, mm. I had head to toe issues. So my hair was falling out. I had brain fog, anxiety, thyroid issues, heart palpitations, asthma, bloating, gas, diarrhea, constipation, sometimes on the same day. I had terrible periods, I had difficulty with pregnancies, I was wasting, so I was really thin, like even thinner than I am now. I had nutritional deficiencies and I hurt. Like when I'd get out of bed in the morning, I kinda had to walk it off, it hurt. Mm. I was really a mess and he diagnosed me with celiac and I went gluten-free and then started to peel off what I'll call the gluten consequences. You know, I had imbalanced bacteria in my gut, otherwise known now as dysbiosis. I had a bad microbiome. I had nutrient deficiencies that I needed to build up. So there were like a lot of consequences I needed to sort of untangle from the celiac. But I spent a number of years doing that, became an expert in gut health, discovered functional medicine because of that mentor, went into it myself Mm -hmm. and spent a while really focusing on what I'll call the platforms of health. So your endocrine system, your gut, your stress, your sleep, your relationships, your movement, because those are foundational. You cannot be truly healthy if you aren't, moving your body, de-stressing, have good relationships, eating a healthy, healthy way. I know I like to avoid the word diet as much as possible because that implies something temporary. This is really like, how do you eat in a way that brings you joy, is healthy for your body and is sustainable? So fast forward to peak two, I was perimenopausal and unknowingly, well, I kind of knew, but I kind of blew it off. I had a lead exposure when my neighbor took his post-war lead house down. Lead containing house. Any house built before 1978 likely has lead in the paint. So he took that post war house down and I freaked. I was like, shut the windows. We're getting exposed to lead. And then I forgot, like, just humanity, right? I forgot that I had that exposure. My hair start my hair loss starts to accelerate. And even my hairdresser was like, yeah, you're losing your hair. And I'm sort of starting to wade through like what on earth is going on. And then we went on the trip of a lifetime to, to Paris and spent a week by Notre Dame. And when we came back, I got really sick. Like my hair started falling out in droves and I gained almost 10 pounds and I had a rash and I was fatigued and I had brain fog and I was like, what's going on? So I had already done testing for mycotoxins before we went to France. So I started treating that because I was like, okay, it must be the mycotoxins. Those are the toxins molds put out when they're in your body. And I was like, okay, I'll treat that. Kind of flailed around for a few months. And then I heard a report on NPR that when Notre Dame burned, it released 500 tons of lead dust into the air. And the closer you were, the more you got exposed. And we were right there for a week. And I looked at my husband when I heard this report and I said, I, I got a lead exposure that was enough to tip me over into how I'm feeling. So I did the workup, had lead because I'm a child of the seventies. I have I had amalgam filling. So I had mercury and then already knew I had those mycotoxins, did the testing for environmental toxins, had a bunch of those. Like, I'm like loyal apparently to all the toxins. So I looked mm. at my husband again, I said, I am such a dirty girl. <laughs> and then I went, oh, we're writing that book because uh, prior to all this, you know, since the celiac diagnosis we're organic, I don't eat processed carbs. I exercise, I don't drink alcohol. I'm like really boring on paper. You put me on paper like that person, you'd be like, oh, I don't want to meet them. They're boring, uh, right? Uh, uh, and I'm like the poster child for healthy living. And yet I was so sick. And so what we really wanted to do is get the word out about how do you reclaim the narrative around your health? Because you do everything right and you're still struggling, there's toxins involved. And that's mm-hmm. the message I want to get out. And they're fixable. Mm-hmm. I know it feels overwhelming when we start to drill in, but they're fixable, avoidable, fixable, remediable.
0: Yeah, I would like that. Well, let me ask you, how would you fix the trip of a lifetime going to Paris and living, you know, staying near Notre Dame, but knowing that there's this lead situation there, how, how would you manage that? Not stay there? What would be the play?
1: Yeah. I mean, at this point, at this point, the leads dispersed a lot. It's it it was just that we literally went the week after it burned. So it was an acute exposure, but I will say the people living in Paris near that, the closer you are in living there, the more lead exposure you got. And those mm-hmm. are people to be concerned about. The farther away you got, the less it was concerning. Yeah, but course. by by now it's dispersed. It's not yeah. an active concern. It was back then. It was three years ago.
0: Makes sense. Makes sense. And I guess more of the the, the question in, in, let me maybe re. re- like let's say you're going into a situation or you're going into an exposure or like a, like, you know, you have to be, or you're going to Got be, it. or you, right. Want, and like, how do you, how do you prep yourself? for? It? do you prepare yourself prior with, you know, t- doing a, a, a detox diet before or right after or during like what were what could be some ways that we can
1: think Yeah. about? I mean, in an ideal world to really optimize your health, The foods that support detox are the foods that you're going to want to be eating ongoingly anyway. So Mm -hmm. lots of green, organic, green, leafy vegetables, turmeric, ginger, mushrooms, like these are all foods that you want to incorporate into your diet anyway, into way of eating. It is good to eat some type of protein that comes from animal flesh. It does support detox. So in an ideal world, you're kind of already there. And then you say, okay, if I get an exposure, so... So there's, it depends what the exposure is. So if I'm going someplace and I'm a little worried about mold, I take extra binders with me. There's Mm -hmm. some really, they're all binders. Mycotoxins bind to binders or binders bind to mycotoxins. So it's pretty easy to just extra fiber, activated charcoal clay. Those are very low hanging fruit, cheap. Mm -hmm. You can take those. The fiber you want to take is the propyl and konjac fiber. And you take that. And it helps to bind to the mycotoxins if you're going someplace like you're going to go to a moldy building, mm-hmm. or if you're exposed, you know, like, you know, you're going to eat sushi and mm-hmm. the, the ha- high mercury sushi or those fatty belly tuna, the ahi tuna, mm-hmm. mahi mahi swordfish, the ha- Chilean sea bass, those all heavy, mercury. all the favorite. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. They were my favorite, but one serving of them is enough for pretty much three months. And mm-hmm. so if you're eating sushi every week, you're getting exposed. So you're someone I would say, if you do that, then maybe you don't want to drink as much alcohol and you want to make sure you sweat and get get sleep and check your genetics, mm-hmm. right? Like maybe maybe you have great genetics so you can tolerate that. Or if you're like me, if you have that, and you're exposed to it, you're like, oh, I like that. I'm going to keep that in my body because <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I seem to absorb and, and retain toxins at a high, high rate. Mm-hmm. So know know your weak spots and, and guard right. against them.
0: That's, that's, I, I like that. Know like kind of know what you can do or like, like not do yeah. like some people can run marathons. Some people aren't built for that, you know, yeah, not just because exactly. minds so that their body is just not They're you know, not everybody can do everything. So you have certain strengths and weaknesses. So tell us <laughs> like, when you see a patient, so is it women only? You, say, you, you alluded to men as well, like there's both, I mean, in your, in your practice?
1: Yeah. So, so I am in practice with a number of other providers. As an OBGYN, I only see women. Mm-hmm. My partners and other colleagues do see men. And I, and I, I talk to a lot of men, because, especially because we're on this all these summits. And so I do give advice for men around wellness, but I don't mm-hmm. generally see them in my practice. I see mostly women.
0: Got it. Okay, great. So, how, so my wife's five weeks away from uh, giving birth for her first child. You know, she's been pretty on point during this pregnancy on eating healthy and doing the right things. You know, she's Japanese and there's some conflicting, I guess, maybe cultural and maybe medical even information on what she should or shouldn't eat. Like they say, don't eat sushi, you know, raw fish or whatever here. But in Japan, it's okay and they do that and japanese tend to be very smart and healthy and live long lives not don't drink alcohol obviously you don't want to get drunk but having a little bit of sake or a little bit of wine during pregnancy is okay what is your opinion on this why is there conflicting information why is it not like a standard across you know the globe
1: there's so many layers to that, Steve. A congratulations on your wife's you. impending impending is the worst word, you know, it's like prospective delivery, right? Because yeah, congratulations on that it's super exciting. You mentioned it's your first, it's really exciting. Yeah. Um so I think our culture is much more litigious. And so because you can get a parasite or a bacterial infection if you eat poorly prepared sushi. The general recommendation is you don't want to get anything in pregnancy that might cross the placenta and make a woman really sick and, uh. sick and so lead to potentially losing the pregnancy. I think in Japan, they have a much greater appreciation for the ebb and flow of life. And that because of the care they're taking with the sushi, it's unlikely to get sick. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and so- they, don't,
0: they don't overdo things there either. <clears throat> right. You know, here, like you give someone an inch and they take a yard, right? You give someone that, that pass, you say, like you said, litigious, my wife actually calls the U.S. Sue (laughs) (laughs) S.A. Isn't that hilarious? Sue S.A. So (laughs) she, you know, like, you know, here you say you can, you can drink or have a, you know, but people have three glasses of wine instead of like a couple sips there. Everything is in moderation.
1: Yeah. I think alcohol is a trickier one for me because what, so If you're eating high-quality sushi, and I always used to add both the shiso leaves because that has antibiotic properties, antibacterial Mm. properties in it, and I always used to douse my sushi in lemon, lemon and soy. Mm -hmm. I ate sushi when I was pregnant, but Mm. I would say to people, I can't recommend you do that, but I can tell you the pros and cons and what I did myself. Mm-hmm. but for alcohol, the problem you run into is that you may run into genetic issues with people who are much more sensitive to alcohol. Women generally don't process alcohol the way men do. Mm-hmm. And so it stays in our bodies longer. It shuts down detox. If you have a fetus who's genetically sensitive and it crosses the placenta. So that one's a little trickier. And I would say, probably say, I can't even say, oh, I recommend a few sips. I would re- I would avoid it.
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, there's actually the... <clears throat> I don't know which government agency just did this, but if I was listening to a podcast about a year ago, you know, there was a thought that, or the, the theory was that having a glass of wine a day was healthy and it had, you know, like a, a bunch of antioxidants and cancer fighting effects, this and that, where they just came out and said, no alcohol, like all alcohol yeah. is bad and can cause at least seven or exasperate seven different types of cancer
1: well it, it is it is a direct toxin so if you're drinking alcohol then your body can't do the removal of anything else because it is it's now dealing with an acute issue of yeah. oh i have alcohol this is a toxin it could kill me so the the body's much smarter than we are so it'll shut down all the other detox things yeah so i i would i mean it's really hard to hear especially coming off covid where the alcohol sales increased 300% people mm-hmm. were drinking so much at home but really, even one glass a week for some people is too much, depending on how many, how much you're dealing with, and how much you need to get out of you.
0: Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm a big fan of that. I don't. I I've gone long periods without drinking, but you know, I, I typically when I work with clients as well, you know, I advise them not to and try to yeah. coach them into you know creating a more optimal well being because. You know, now even studies and research shows and all the sleep research is that alcohol doesn't make you sleep better. It disrupts your, yep. you know, your different cycles of sleep that do not allow you to get that deep restorative sleep. But people were like, oh, it helps me relax. And, you know, it allows me to fall asleep. I even had one client who, God bless him, he's 89 years old now, um, still working, Hollywood producer. And, you know, he used to wake up in the middle of the night and have a shot. He had a literally like a bottle of vodka at his <laughs> nightstand and he would do a shot in the middle of the night, wake up, so it would help him fall back to sleep.
1: I think that probably falls in the category of when you need to cut down.
0: Yeah, uh, <laughs> he, so, has since, he has since, yeah. he, he, he still does it occasionally, but it's not an every night thing that it used to be.
1: Yeah, I, and it also messes for women, especially it messes with menopause. Mm-hmm. So you know, women get a lot more hot flashes when they drink alcohol. So my, my, I would, I do usually say to people that the other thing we're not talking about is that it's a stressor for the adrenals. Mm -hmm. And since your adrenals are running the show, remember we talked about being primitive, your adrenals, if they're jacked up and think that a lion's going to eat you, it will shut down detox. So you're less effective at taking care of yourself Mm -hmm. and, and then it stresses the adrenals. So it's, it's, It's unpopular to say, but yeah, if you can cut down or cut out alcohol, it is in your favor.
0: Yeah. Great. What about, you talked about foods being a, an opportunity to detoxify foods can be a medicine or a poison. How do you know which foods are beneficial for you? Because not everything, not all foods are created equal for everybody. You know, somebody might have a, an allergy to a certain type of food that might be beneficial for somebody. What's, What's your, what's your thought on this?
1: I mean the majority of foods the majority of foods that are going to improve your your detox are not necessarily stuff that people are going to react to per se
0: mm-hmm.
1: like So carrots, cooked tomatoes, winter squash, sweet potatoes, sunflower seeds, avocado, almonds, citrus, dark leaky greens, colorful vegetables, berries, Brazil nuts, meat. Like certainly if you have a nut allergy, maybe you wouldn't go for the Brazil nuts, but it's rare that you would be sensitive to this whole, like everything on the list, right? And people don't usually get allergic to broccoli, cauliflower, cilantro, parsley. Some people could be allergic to like pumpkin but again, there's so many opportunities to get foods that improve your detox. So I think there's a lot of room for play in this. Yeah,
0: and and what your preferences are. So part of this is, a, and I want your opinion on this. Yesterday, my neighbor was walking his, uh, I wanna say like 13, 14 month old son. And I stopped and chatted with them for a minute. And I noticed that the, the little little guy had like um A rash, but it was raised on his forehead. And then he had another one over here. And the the father said, He goes, Yeah, he's got these things that have been kind of popping out. We have an appointment with this pediatric dermatologist, but he or she's booked for the next couple of weeks. And I said, Oh, you know, that's interesting. And I was like, Checking it out. I was like, It looks like a psoriasis of some sort, like something he's having an allergic reaction to something kind of, and, you know, I said, listen, I'm not a doctor, and you know, I'm not telling you what it is or this and that. And I'm like, what are you feeding him?" You know? And he was like, well, kind of almost everything. I'm like, what is he eating? Is he still on formula? And he's like, no, he's kind of eating everything. You know, I'm like, well, what is that? He's like, you know, kind of everything, but we're you, like chicken and carrot, this and that. And I was like, you might not want to do that. I'm like, you might want to look at maybe an elimination diet too. And I'm like, you and I was saying like, there are things that you can be allergic to and not know. And I said something about strawberries. Like some people have allergic reactions to strawberries. And he goes, that's really funny. You say that he goes, my, his grandparents, my parents, like they go to the farmer's market and come back with a bunch of berries and he loves strawberries and he's eating a ton of strawberries. And I was like, I don't believe in coincidences, you know, but like, I would first probably start with eliminating, you know, strawberries. And again, and I said, listen, I'm not a doctor. I'm not like trying to diagnose, but I'm just saying, this is what I do. And I speak to a lot of great people like you. Like I would first, when it's my kid and I saw that I would look at what we're feeding them to like, because your skin is your largest organ and something isn't agreeing and that's coming out and manifesting in different ways. So let's look at that and see what that does and take that out and you know then i then i said what was the other point to that i lost my train of thought oh like a dermatologist is not necessarily going to give you that information i no. said you know they're they're going to just be like oh it's a rash and here's something topical like some kind of cortisone yeah. and you treat it topically but it's not going to come from the inside out and then oh i know what i want to say and as i was kneeling down and kind of looking at it I saw his belly was very distended. This little kid had a very distended, like a, like a Buddha belly. And I said, is his belly always like this? And he said, yeah, after he eats and he's full, you know, this and that. I said, well, this again shows me when I'm working with people, my clients, they have a distension like this. I'm looking at food like a gastrointestinal inflammation that something is not agreeing with him. And he was like, that's interesting. And I said, you might want to just go online and see if there's an online, like, Kit that you can buy where you do a saliva swipe where you can send in for food allergies and you might get a better profile on what he may or may not be allergic to. And that could be a good start.
1: Yeah. And I would even add to what you were saying, Steve, is what's invisible to people is bread and dairy, bread, Mm -hmm. pasta, and dairy. Those are invisible. People just don't even think about what they're eating for that because that's just how we eat. Mm -hmm. And so I would also say, hey, you know, psoriasis is often a dairy issue. Mm-hmm. or a gluten issue, especially if a child has a distended belly, then I would start with processed carbs and dairy. Those are yeah. like, those, those are, are the like the easy ones out too. You. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Low hanging fruit. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, and again, I, I, I felt empowered. Like I, I said to him, I like, I typically, I just kept prefacing it. Cause I'm like, I don't want to tell you how to raise your kids. Like, right. especially kids, like, you know, like you don't want that person, especially right. your neighbor yeah. being like, dude, this guy just told me like how to feed my kid. Who, who the heck are you? Like, you right. know what I mean? Like, but I just, I, I'm like, I just wanted to share with you that information. So do what mm-hmm. you want with it. Like, you know, try to empower you. And this is what this podcast is about as well. Like you and I are just trying to share our information, what we know, what we've learned through our education, through our life experiences and the results we've seen with people that we worked with.
1: Yep. Yep. Yeah. percent. So,
0: yeah. So what have been some of the profound uh, on that note, like, what in your career so far or life, you could be personal or professional, that like you've seen an extraordinary change in somebody who has taken on the principles and ideas that we're instilling here? What if what what have you seen oh, like that has so been like? Many. If you can think of one, that's just this like yeah yeah this aha moment.
1: So I was thinking about this patient earlier. I haven't seen her in years. She came to my practice when she was thirty three, and she had. So many doctors that I, I was shocked. So she had chronic migraines. So she had a neurologist. She had high blood pressure at 33. Okay. Mm. I was like, wait, you're 33. She had a cardiologist for her high blood pressure. Hmm. She had irritable bowel syndrome. So she had a gastroenterologist. And she had anxiety, so she had a psychiatrist. Then she had me as her gynecologist and she had a primary care doctor. I said, you're 33 years old. If this is where you are at 33 with six doctors and four medical issues that are all chronic, where are you gonna be when you're 50? Like we really need to interrupt this process. Mm. And so we did a whole workup and, and and for her, she was really sensitive to wheat and she eliminated wheat. And, you know, I see people for follow-up regularly and she came back and she was off her blood pressure meds. She was off her migraine meds. She was off her anti-anxiety meds. Her irritable bowel had cleared up and her energy was better. Mm. And and it's just really profound. It's not always wheat. You know, not everyone has a wheat issue, but when Mm. you have the issue and you catch it, it's extremely impactful for people. Mm-hmm. Like it makes, I said to her, and what's crazy is none of her specialists said, hey, what'd you do? I said, did anyone ask you what you did? She goes, no, they just took me off my meds. Mm-hmm. So so it's just really interesting because depending on your perspective. But when you pull the right lever, the health transforms and your experience of life transforms because her energy is better. She'd, she's no longer debilitated by bloating, gas, diarrhea, constipation, uh, headaches anxiety and she's out in the world.
0: Mm, that's kind cool. of awesome. That's yeah. awesome. That's yeah. awesome. That's great. And everybody you mean you can have that as well. And what is the <clears throat> why I just had a client move to London. She came back for about a month and I was working with her. She had a traumatic, like like a traumatic transformation since she, I had been working with her for almost 16 years. We made lots of great results and things, but she was just always, she got stuck at this one spot. She couldn't really get over. She moved to uh, London. And she came back like a different person. I was blown away by the way she looked. She looked great. She's less inflamed, health, energy, men- mentally, like the focus. The She was just on point, best I've ever seen her in 16 years. And I was like, what did you do? And she's like, nothing much different. I just, I, like I moderated my eating, but I believe the food there is better. Cool. And she gained another couple pounds, two or three pounds by just being back here eating pretty much the same things, but the quality of the food or whatever they're eating there, the way they prepare it, or the things that they don't add to the food was beneficial for her. Why is there such a disparity in the way that we cook here in America? Like, even if you have home cooked bread, like you go to Italy and you go like have pizza and you're eating bread at dinner and, you know, you'd expect to gain five pounds. You come back home and you're like, I actually lost two pounds, you know, and like here you do that and you gain five pounds in a day.
1: Well, it's different in, in Europe, the, the bread. So in America, when there were food shortages in like 1940, 1950, scientists really scrambled to find ways to grow the wheat faster, have it less susceptible to drought or drought. I never know how to say that word, I think it's drought. And so it could, it could tolerate drier climates, not fall over when it got too tall, and, and just grow faster. So they mm. hybridized. It's not genetically modified per se. When you think of genetic modification, you think of sort of splicing genes together. It wasn't done like that. It was just bred. You know, it was just, they bred this strain with this strain and mm. hybridized it. So it's kind of genetically modified, but when they did that, they increased the content of gluten in the wheat. And so mm. the content of wheat in it is higher. So that means it's more allergenic now there's another layer to this so separate organic grains but in the united states the what vast majority of grains including wheat are sprayed with glyphosate Mm -hmm. glyphosate's an herbicide it's the most commonly used herbicide in the world we use something like 248 million pounds of it commercially in 2014 and use increases about every 50 percent every four or five years it's just ridiculous. The the amount being used is crazy. It's sprayed on the crops. It's a microbiome disruptor. It was originally developed as an antibiotic, but it didn't really work that well for that. So it's used for crops. It's otherwise known as Roundup. And what it does is it disrupts the microbiome. So now you have a food that is intrinsically able to cause leaky gut by opening up the tight junctions in the gut. We can talk about that whole mechanism if you want, but it can cause the food particles to get into your bloodstream and the glyphosate on it is disrupting your gut and it's a pro cancer causing agent. So there's all these layers to it. So, and we eat more of it in the United States. So you eat it more, it's more allergenic and it's causing this disruption to your gut in addition to its innate issues. So mm. it, it just compounds. And then you go to Europe, they're not using the glyphosate. It's not genetically hybridized and you're not eating it in the quite the same amounts in yeah. the same frequency.
0: Totally. It's, it's really, it's, it's wild. It's, it's so interesting. I had um Dr. William Davis on the show, Wheat Belly. Yeah. That was a, a great episode. Brilliant. Brilliant yeah, I, read the book. I loved his book. Yeah. He's got a new book now called Super Gut. Uh, you yeah. should check that out. And Listen to the podcast. It's uh, episode one sixty eight. Um, talks about the you know, microbiome and understanding this. I mean, he's really uh, a very highly educated individual, and, and around this area of of microbiome and gut health and so on and so forth. At the forefront of some of the of the research and things that we're practicing. So I. I I, am a big believer in this. You know, I had a, I guess it was about 20 years ago. I had a girlfriend that was had celiac and I didn't really know what celiac was. And I honestly really don't know too much about it. I know enough about it that it's not a good thing to have. And you can have part of your colon removed and you know, you just, it's something you want to avoid. And you want obviously a very specialized diet for that if you have it, but this girl, she was gluten-free and I was like, what's gluten, you know? And I ended up reading a book that I was turned on to at the time when I started to look for it called Eat Right for Your Blood Type. Mm-hmm. And I read it and it really like struck a chord with me. I had never like thought about that, like different blood types. And, you know, I remember being in chemistry, you know, lab where we have like three different, you know, like we'd have one base and then like three different ingredients. We put in the Petri dish and we like, one would have a reaction. And another one would, and another one would have a better reaction. And, you know, it's like, well, why, like, there's gotta be certain things in foods that are reacting to my blood or my blood is able to can't transport and break it down. And you're not blood, but my, my body and be able to transport it. Like, it makes sense, you know, like, let me do this. And I didn't try it. I actually took it on. So dare I'm a type O blood. Um, I'm actually an O negative. And I ended up taking gluten dairy out of my diet, two main things that I saw. And after a year, I came home and my mom saw me and she nearly like fell over because I grew up on the East Coast, pasta, bread, Italian, you know, Italians and whatnot. She's like, oh, my God, you're not eating, you know, California. What's going on? You got to come back home. I need to feed you. And I'm like, no, mom, I'm eating. I'm actually just eating really good foods that are agreeing with me. My asthma is gone. I don't have the allergies I used to have growing up. And I feel and look great. And I haven't been on an antibiotic. Like speaking today, we're in 2022, in 19 years, I haven't been on an antibiotic. Yeah. And it's because I know I cleaned up my diet.
1: Yep. Took away what didn't work.
0: Yeah. And it's not always, but it's like 99% of the time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And and the, the thing that's really poignant is you've cleaned it up enough that you can tolerate excursions mm. and they're true excursions. Like once in a while, you'll have it. Right. And some people say to me once in a while, I'm like, what's a once in a while to you? Is it weekly? Cause that's not once in a while to me. Once in a while is like once a quarter, once every six months.
0: Right. Yeah. Occasions. You can tolerate excursion,
1: occasions, yeah. special occasions. You can tolerate that because you cleaned it up.
0: Yeah. It's amazing. And when you do it, it like there's this, um, it, it doesn't feel as good. It doesn't like, you don't have the same energy. Your bowels, bowels are off and, and, you know, there's not, you're not firing on all cylinders, so to speak. Right. So <laughs> I, so, you know, with that as a testament to, you know, the work that you do, you know, it really is it's profound. And there's one thing I want to drive home here. And I'd love for you to comment on this in, in your experiences. When you heard me say that I said, I didn't try, I did it. Like I just went all in, right? When everybody tries to do something, you know that they're just kind of dabbling. And when people dabble, they don't typically get the results that you and I want them to get and that you know that they deserve to get. How do you manage that with your clients and people that I mean, it becomes a, a more of a, a psychological mindset, like sort of coaching rather than the actual program? So tell us how you do this.
1: Yeah, the doingness of things is not the hard part. it's the thinking and beingness of things. And mm. so what <clears throat> what I'm always I mean, I always want to know like what's the problem first off, right? What are we fixing with this change in lifestyle? And so the other thing is I'm always I'm always holding women's I can't say balls to the wall because I don't have balls, but i'm i'm <laughs> I'm really looking for women. I, I'm kind of challenge them. so what, Often just the promise of having better vitality, sleeping better, having your gut work, having your brain work and, and not suffering through your days is enough of a motivation for people. I can usually get people to try something for two weeks, right? You could do anything for two weeks. You do a terrible Mm -hmm. job. You can do a new dietary change or a new eating plan. So you try it for two weeks. You see how you're doing. If at the end of two weeks, you're like, oh, I hate you because it worked. Then you should continue if you're not sure you test it out and if it didn't do anything then you also test it out. So people usually will try you know sort of dip a toe in the water. Yeah. But that's not the hard part. The hard part is it was impactful and I know I need to do it but I'm struggling to maintain and sustain. Hmm. So that's where it's really I really drill into it with women and what we talk about a lot is a lot of my patients either have children or want to have children or in some way are examples or or leaders or role models. So in some way every woman is a mother in some way and I don't necessarily mean a child came out of your vagina or through your C-section opening but really that in some way women are taking care of others. And so what I drill into with them is if people emulate you and people do what you do would you want them to do what you're doing? Mm-hmm. You know, would you want them to be someone who doesn't take care of themselves or would you want them to look up to you as someone who's a role model? Because if you're directly parenting children, they are watching what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And so if you are not taking care of themselves, what you are teaching them is, I don't deserve to be taken care of. And if you have girls, you're teaching girls to grow up to be women who don't take care of themselves. And if you have boys, you're teaching them to be with people who don't take care of themselves. Either way, it's a lose lose or don't Mm -hmm. take care of themselves themselves. So it's a lose, Right. And so what I really drill into them is who can you be so that you're the role model for who you want your children to be? Mm-hmm. That's one. And then the other is like, why are we doing this in the first place? What's your why? Mm-hmm. What's the big why that we're doing this for? Is it because you want to live to a hundred or is it because you're 60 and you're scared you're not going to make it to 70? You're like, are you worried? Do we, are we fixing a problem or are we going towards something inspiring? Let's get mm-hmm. back to why we're doing this. Mm-hmm.
0: I like that a lot. Tell me, me, is there Steve, let me add on
1: one thing to that. I do a lot of the recommendations, but I do employ a nutritionist who serves as an accountability partner for my patients. Mm. So I say to them, if you're someone who can't maintain without accountability, then you should meet with my nutritionist Mm. every two to four weeks to keep Mm. you because you know, you're going to have that meeting and she's going to say, how you doing? Mm -hmm. So you have someone to account to. I mean, I talk to my coach three times a week.
0: Yeah, awesome. Everybody needs a coach. I Everyone mean, this, needs
1: someone to be accountable yeah, to.
0: Even the coaches need the coaches. So exactly. Yeah, it's absolutely right, and I think that's something that we've learned during COVID: the sense of community, you know, yeah. the ability to connect with people, and you know, feel like you're part of a tribe. You know, they've shown in research as being a very important component to healthy aging and yep. that's, it's you know, the blue, the blue zones. zones. Yeah. Yep. Uh, that's part of the, the blue zone theory and why those particular five, six regions in the world that people live past the hundred is the community that they have. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's
1: critical having yeah. community, feeling like you're part of it, yeah. feeling like you're part of, you belong to something and that you matter yes. because you do matter, but feeling it and experiencing it is very profound.
0: Yeah. And having that coach as part of that process and part of that experience, dirty girl, let's talk about the book for a second. So what is, who, who is it for? What is really the, 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 the guts of it? Why? And no pun intended there. What is the takeaway that somebody can expect from reading this?
1: So it's geared for, if you live on this earth and you think that you could feel better, it's for you. Mm. We called it Dirty Girl because it was memorable and it's it, it, and it captured the whole idea that I was full of toxins. So it captured it, right? It's like a catchy title and nobody forgets it. And the, the subtitle is Ditch the Toxins, Look Great and Feel Freaking Amazing. Mm-hmm. And so I would say, if that's the game you want to play, this is for you. If you're looking to clean up your life or if you're like, I don't even know where to start this is the book to read because it's a roadmap for starting to peel away the things that make us sick and leveling up and cleaning up. And that's actually, we put together a companion guide to the book that gives you options to clean up your life. And that's on our website at fivejourneys.com forward slash promo. It's a free guide and it'll allow you to you know, say, okay, I'm, I'm using this product. What should I use instead for beauty products or for house cleaning or for furniture or bedding? Like what am I, all these options that we don't think about, we've dealt with it.
0: Mm, Awesome. I like, and and, and it's so important as we said earlier today, more than ever, you know, we're surrounded by toxins. We're eating toxins. We're living in toxic, in a toxic world. When do you think that it's the, like the most, I want to say critical, but like at any point in somebody's life, they should read this. And Yeah. Now now Now,
1: and now and how about now because you know we're exposed to it ongoingly water air chemicals pesticides plastics i mean it just never stops
0: it becomes preventative yeah
1: yeah it's really about how do you recognize it clean it up vote with your feet buy Mm -hmm. cleaner products be better to the earth so the earth can Mm -hmm. be better to us
0: yeah i love that uh you said it's a game so, you know, before in your, in, in your delivery there, you, you know, to play the game better, like, I, and I love that. Cause I say that as well, the game of life and why do you use it as a game? What like how would you relate it? What's that? Why did you choose that metaphor?
1: Great question, Steve. So, okay. So you're playing a game and you don't win or you don't do it perfectly. You don't usually go home and berate yourself over all the things you did wrong in the game. It was a game. You're supposed to have fun. You're playing, right? okay, now you're in the, you're in the detox journey <laughs> and everyone goes crazy. Like, oh, I got to be good. I got to do it. Right. I have to be a good doobie. I can't miss anything. And everybody screws something up and then they berate themselves. And I can't, t- I'm like confessional booth, uh, forgive me, doctor. It's been two weeks. I've been off my program. I'm like, okay, how are you feeling? Terrible. I'm like, okay, get back on your program this is not the Hail Mary's thing. This is, this is not the, this is not the 50 lashes with the wet noodle. It's like, okay, I needed to account for and get back on the plan. So I call it a game because it's not about making yourself wrong and berating yourself and thinking you're a bad person. You're not, you're an amazing person. You're doing your best. You're working hard and you're human and things happen. So don't let the things that happen be the reason to keep you from improving. Let the things that happen be something that happened. Like I chose a cleaner. This I'll tell one of myself. I chose a cleaner that was not environmental working group certified. I bought it. We used it for six months. I woke up one day and I went, I never checked that. The packaging was really clean. It's all about like recyclable packaging and they don't have a lot of waste. So I was sucked in. It's unscented. I was sucked in. I checked it on EWG and I was like, oh, that's not the cleanest thing. I think I need to level up. So then I leveled up, right? I went to Aspen Clean, which is EWG certified and non-toxic. And it's in these little, it's good for the earth too. So you want to treat it like it's just a process as opposed to this. You've got to be perfect. I always say perfection only exists on the Hollywood screen. And this Mm -hmm. isn't a movie. So you don't have to be perfect. You just have to do your best. And then when you screw up, fix it, move on.
0: Outstanding. I'm glad I asked that question as well. You had mentioned this site where you can find out what things yeah. in our lives are, are toxic, EWG?
1: Environmental Working Group, ewg.org. And also there's an, so they have an app and they have a, you know, a desktop site and then there's Think Dirty, which is also an app.
0: Okay, and that doesn't relate to your book, Think Dirty?
1: No, totally oh. unrelated. I was like, I wanna do the Dirty Girl app, but they've yeah. already done it and they've done it well. So I don't need to recreate the whale, they're great.
0: Cool. I love that. Okay. Well, check that out, everybody, at uwg.org and thinkdirty.org.
1: I don't know if it's an org. I would just look up Think Dirty app. I know it is app. of it oh, as an app. It's an
0: app. Okay, great. Awesome. Well, I want to acknowledge you, Dr. Truba, for your outstanding journey in your career as a practitioner and somebody who's elevating the game and leveling people up in their health, their life, their gut, their ability to really create the life they love and love the life they're living through these functional medicine medicine practices that are easy enough, right? It's not easy, but easy enough, tangible enough to follow through on and to simplify and do it today. Like action, applicable, like action plan. Like sometimes too many people think that it's in the hands of you know, your doctor, or your physician or the drug you have to take, and it's going to take time. And it's like, like you could start feeling immediate results. So I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that you're doing this. I'm grateful that, it, that you're, you're creating this platform and you wrote a book that it, it really is catchy. I love the title and you're continuing the the, the journey of your personal growth and helping others along their personal journey as well. Keep the work up. I'd love to reconnect in the future, have you back on and share some more things that you're working on. Cause I have no doubt that you're evolving your, your practice as you're evolving as a person and practitioner Definitely. as well. Yeah.
1: yeah. And really it's my privilege to do what I do. I love what I do.
0: Yeah. I can tell that I can tell that. Yeah. So thanks awesome. for
1: having me on. This is great. You,
0: Yeah, cool. Well, how can we stay in touch with you? Uh, Fivejourneys.com.
1: Yeah, so lots of ways. Uh, We have our own podcast. It's the Five Journeys podcast, Live Like You Matter. And then we have the company, the clinic is fivejourneys.com. And then my social is Wendy Trubo MD, and that's across all social. So Instagram, Facebook. LinkedIn and Twitter, all of them are at Wendy Trubo MD. And my first name is spelled a little funny, but I'm sure that'll go in the show notes. It so I'll send it over notes. To, send that over to you.
0: Excellent. Great. Thanks for sharing. And thank you everybody for listening. Again, if you enjoyed this podcast and or any others, please rate it. Your Your time there is appreciated. Thanks for listening. Stay healthy and stay well from the inside out. Live your best life. Have a good day.